بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد الدنيا is a place of challenge there is nobody who has come in this world who wasn't faced with some kind of challenge or the other could have been some king could have been a very poor person a very rich person could have been anybody but everybody had some challenge or the other the quran sharif allah taala mentions that what is the purpose of this entire life and death allah taala created الذي خلق الموت والحياه ليبلوكم ايكم احسن عملا الله تعالى created this life and death ليبلوكم الله تعالى says to test you so we are all in this phase of test and when the person is in the phase of test there will be some challenge and then how he responds to the challenge what he does what he the friends from how he conducts himself that will depend on what will be the results after the test there's a result there's an end result after a test somebody passed somebody failed when there's an examination there's a test then there's some body who gets a reward some award somebody gets a prize somebody doesn't get a prize the person who applied himself he was dedicated so now he got the prize at the end of the day so likewise this dunya this is a phase of test the place of the prize and the place of the reward the real place of that is the akhirat this dunya is a very small place it can't encompass and can't contain the reward of a mu'min the smallest jannat that somebody will get the person who goes last the person who ends up going last into jannat imagine out of this entire population of insan that came from adam alayhi salam till the day of qiyamah billions of people that person who will end up going last to jannat so he would be the lowest category of jannat that last person his jannat will be 10 times the size of this world so how can this world encompass and contain what the reward of the jannat is the place of reward is the hereafter this place of dunya is the place of test this is the examination hall so the person who keeps himself committed to the rules of the test allah taala grants him a part of that reward in dunya already and the real place of the reward is akhirat what is in dunya to may ya'mal min as-salihati min dhakarin aw untha wa huwa mu'minun fala nuhyiyannahu hayatan tayyiba the person with iman all those who are sitting with their head down just look up where the person is look the person with iman and righteous action somebody lives his life with iman 
and like his actions, Allah Ta'ala says we promise him a good life. The good life is a life of there will be peace in the heart. There might be challenges outside, but there will be peace inside. And then sometimes in various ways, Allah Ta'ala makes it apparent even in dunya. That how Allah Ta'ala rewards those who do good. And there are numerous incidents from the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam till this day. How somebody applied himself, remained patient, didn't get carried away by things around him, didn't allow the circumstances or the environment to just carry him away and do whatever he wants. How Allah Ta'ala even made something easy for the person in dunya. Akhirat, that's still to come. There's one incident mentioned about one personality, one muhaddith, Qazi Muhammad Nabi Bakr. He lived around the 5th century. The Rajab Hanbali has recorded his own detail that a very, very strange incident happened with this person. Now these are some incidents that have happened. As many as they are, they are small in number in the sense that the real state is Akhirat. So many a person might have lived his life through those challenges, didn't apparently see anything happening for him in dunya. Because he didn't even want it in dunya. The real place is Akhirat. But sometimes Allah Ta'ala made it apparent for some people in dunya to give others a lesson. That it's all in the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. He can make it happen here also. But the world is too small. And it's not the place for it. This is just a little bit of the crumbs. Somebody gets the crumbs here. Somebody gets everything in Akhirat. But the real thing in dunya also is the peace of mind, the heart, the serenity, the contentment. The person, his heart is connected to Allah Ta'ala, then he is not, he is not affected by what goes on around him. <coughs> so in any case, this was a alim he was in. Hadith. So he gives his incident. He was living in Makkah Mukarramah at the time. And a condition of extreme hunger came over him. Poverty. Nothing to eat. So now, he had been going through this poverty for some time. And one particular day he was extremely hungry. <laughs> As he was walking out of there, finds one, somebody had dropped one bag. So he saw this bag and he picked it up. Brought it away home. When he brought it home, he opened it. It was a very, very expensive bag, it's a leather bag. He opened that bag. Inside that bag, he says he found a some pearl necklace. And the kind of pearls which he had never seen in his lifetime. Extremely valuable. He saw this and he realized somebody dropped this by mistake and went away. In any case, he took it and he put it aside. Now, on the one side, he is suffering this extreme hunger. Now he found this. The temptation, what about temptation goes in a person at that time? So he could have been tempted to maybe just keep quiet about it and sell it off at some time. 
make use of their money. All these temptations. So temptations, everybody, every insan, it's the Anbiya Salam that are masum. But insan, shaitan will keep trying to put some temptation in the heart and mind of this human being. But that is this test now. We talk about dunya as a test. Many times you only think about test of other issues. This is a test now. The test of temptation. Either the person is going to pass this test by not giving in to the temptation, he's going to fail. But the person who passes this test, he keeps himself patient. He doesn't just fall headlong into any temptation. The person keeps falling into the temptation. There's one masla about animals, chicken, goats, sheep, whatever. Sometimes, now the animals, these chicken and so on, they'll be pecking on grain, sheep and goats, etc., cows, they'll be grazing on grass. It's all pure, completely pure. But sometimes, these animals, etc., even chicken, they might see something and they want to peck at it. Now that was some filth, some dirt. So now, generally, it pecked on it and it would immediately realize Allah Ta'ala has dressed them with a very, very strong sense of smell. And that smell makes that animal distinguish immediately, even if it can't see it's blind also. One is it can see it, even if it can't see it, if it's blind, with its sense of smell, it will be able to distinguish immediately that this is pure and wholesome, this is what my food is. This is the grass, or this is the grain, and this is full, this is dirt. who was the principal of Dalun Gyoban, he mentioned one incident that he witnessed personally. He had gone once to visit some family of his in one rural village, far out. Those people were having quite a problem with monkeys coming to trouble them. Perhaps it was a place that's been obese maybe. So all the time the monkeys would come and they would get into the houses, grab the food and whatever else. So only these people had enough, while he happened to be there, they decided to go to try and get rid of these monkeys once and for all. So they got everybody in all the houses to make a lot of bread, roti. But everybody was told to add some poison into it. And he says he witnessed this for himself that that day when they decided to now feed all these monkeys so they put this bread, all these rotis on the roofs of the houses all over the place. And now waiting now that these monkeys are going to come they will eat these poisoned rotis and that will be the end of it. We'll get completely now uh, rid of these things. In any case that troop of monkeys suddenly came so they noticed now the road food came, so they thought, fine, are they all observing from a distance, <laughs> from the houses? And as these monkeys came along, they can see them sniffing, but nobody is eating anything. Snuffed, carried on sniffing, eventually one fixed-sized fellow came, he also sniffed everything, and all went away without eating one bit of that bread. Everybody is stunned, they are wondering now, when these monkeys went away, whether they'll come back, maybe they'll come back and eat it. After a few hours, 
his monkeys came back and they came back Most, all of them were holding some figs in one paw and then they came and they started eating the bread and they chewing on this every now and then on this little tree and they went away and they were back the next day so nothing happened to any of these then when they investigated some of those twigs were found lying around those twigs were the antidote to the poison that they had put inside they went in some jungle and they found what was the antidote in that sniffing of theirs was a whole laboratory in that sniffing they found out or they managed to work out what is the poison and they worked out what is the antidote and they carried on eating their bread and chewing their twig and nothing happened to them insan thinks is very very advanced Allah has put their whole laboratory in that nostril of that monkey so in any case animals to Allah has given them the sense of smell etc which is far advanced than what this insan can, and human being can think about so this animal we are talking about can sniff and determine what is pure, what is good, or what is filth and dirt but now sometimes that chicken or that whatever other animal it might be it put its mouth and into that beak or that into that filth then after a while again second time it is and third time and fourth time sometimes these animals will start eating the filth more than food and then there comes a masla about that now this animal became what is known as jallala so this chicken or that sheep or goat that has become jallala now if somebody is now that goat or chicken he wants to slaughter then the masla is you must first restrict it and confine it in a small place the chicken or small animal that for three days must make sure it didn't get close to any kind of so it only ate the pure and good food for three days so now its body and system will get rid of all that food now after three days it's not a bit it's fine it's a big animal for ten days for ten days it didn't get anywhere close to food after ten days now it got rid of all that from its system eating only the pure food now this is just a basla on the side but there's so many lessons in this one lesson is when that animal Allah Ta'ala has blessed it with that sense of smell set a sharp sense of smell even if it was blind by one sniff it can determine this is pure this is full one sniff it can determine but when it decide, despite being able to work that out it carried on putting its mouth into that full after a while what happens its sense of smell gets lost then it becomes this jallala because now it can't smell what is can't make the difference out now it keeps eating that filth not because it deliberately wants to eat the filth because it's lost its sense of smell what is helping it to determine what's good what's not good so it finally became this jallala so first it gave into that temptation that now this is looking different now to try this out so it tried it out once, but it realized that this is wrong, this is bad, this is full. But then the temptation came second time. So it put his mouth in the temptation again. And then it put his mouth in the temptation the third time, it started losing its sense of smell. Then it couldn't determine anymore now. Now that became it for him. That's his food now. 
So likewise, when this insan keeps putting his, himself in that temptation, initially he himself is halfway justified, this is wrong, I mustn't get close to this. Despite the temptation, I mustn't get close to this, this is haram, this is full. But he doesn't control himself, doesn't refrain from that, and the second time, then too he will feel very bad about it. The third time, by then, things are now dying off. That sense of perception within him, to be able to determine what is good, what is not good. <laughs> that starts dying off slowly. And in time, then he is just headlong into every film, without any kind of control. Now somebody is trying to advise him also, he can't see the difference. Somebody is telling him this is very harmful, this will destroy your dunya and akhirat. Doesn't mean anything to him. Why? He will become like the Jallala. Now he only eats film. So now film is not confined again to a pure plane and to pure sustenance for a while, but there is no access to that filth at all. It's very hard to get it out of the system. But that's where it gets. Just keep getting back to the same point. It has to be literally imprisoned in a confined place. So that was just nevertheless that masla, by the way, that this is the temptation. And the temptation of a person doesn't control himself, keeps giving into that temptation, the end result is like this jallala. So coming back to the incident that we are talking about, this person found his necklace. But the temptation came. And then he is suffering this poverty, this starvation. He said, Sir, let's leave it aside now. He comes out of his house. He can hear somebody making an announcement. What the announcement is? I dropped a bag. And anybody who comes and returns that bag is 500 dinar. 500 dinar, 500 gold coins is the reward. It's a very big amount. 500 gold coins even today is a big amount. In those days it was even bigger than you. So he heard this person, he came and asked him what you lost, explain it, he explained it. So he took him to his house. And he asked him all the details. What was inside it? Say, no, a necklace. What was, what kind of necklace? They explained pearls. What kind of pearls? How many pearls were in that string? Give all the details correctly. So he brought out that bag, he showed it to him. This is it. Opened it out. You show everything is there. Okay, you can take it and carry on. This person now is giving him the 500 dinars, 500 gold coins. So he says, look, when I picked up that bag, at that time I didn't hear this announcement. I didn't know that there's a reward for it. I just picked it up. I didn't pick it up in order to get a reward for picking it up and bringing it back. So when I just picked it up, there's an amanat. An amanat, amanat has to be returned to the person who is, who owns it. Amanat must be returned. This is purely an amanat. One is now, I heard the announcement beforehand that anybody brings this and they'll get rewarded. So I went around looking for it for the reward. I'm entitled to it. But now I'm not entitled to it. The person is saying, well, I'm giving you Hadiyana. He said, no, the masala is clear. And I picked it up, it was Amana. I got to return the Amana. On the one side, he is starving, he's suffering this poverty. 
And after all this difficulty, what he is, he could have just hidden the thing. Alhamdulillah, he didn't do that. He didn't give in to that temptation. Now his taqwa is of this level that this person is giving him. He says, you take it. But you see, now the masla is that I am not entitled to this now. You announce this as a reward for the person who finds it, but I already had it. This is amanat, I would return it. That's my responsibility. So I am really fulfilling my responsibility. I am not doing you any favor. This was my responsibility. It would have been on my head. That I picked it up. If I don't return it, I am in big problems. In dunya and akhirah. So this person insisted, but he refused. He says, no, I can't. And he gave it back to me. And he didn't take that money also. Now this is not a small thing. It's a very big thing. Somebody who's starving, doesn't have food to eat for days on end. In any case, the time went and passed. Allah Ta'ala made things a little easier for him. He says, then sometime later, I decided to travel by boat. So on the journey, when storm broke out, that boat sank. That boat capsized, all the people drowned. I managed to just cling onto some driftwood. And I remained for one, two days, or how many days, in the sea. This might sound like very strange. There's one person in Durban, one day he was mentioning, and he's got one picture of one ship on the wall of his office. So, he's showing me the picture. This is a picture of a ship. He says, this was a ship that sank, but on the ship, my father was on board the ship when he sank. He said his father was on board the ship. In fact, together with his father, one very senior alim of South Africa, the Qasim Semasar Rahmatullahi, who was the founder and the principal of Darul Newcastle, he was on board that ship also, when it sank. It was in the, during the First World War or something, and the Japanese torpedoed that ship. It was a passenger ship, many drowned, many got saved. He mentioned his father and another person were sitting on one piece of wood for two days and nights. Until finally, and then, their legs were hanging in the water, fish were nibbling at their feet. Until after two days, they were rescued by another ship. These things happen sometimes. In any case, we see that I was now just carrying on like this on the water. And then after two days or some days, I ended up floating onto an island. It was an inhabited island. People were living there. In any case, somehow we got onto this island and went and sat on him on masjid. So people must have seen him, a stranger, maybe somebody fed him or something. One day somebody walked in and they overheard him reciting Quran Shari. He was sitting there now, don't know what to do, where to go. So he was an alim, reciting Qur'an Sharif, the person overheard him by chance. So he said, you recite Qur'an Sharif? He said, well, I learned Qur'an Sharif. He said, well, you must teach me Qur'an Sharif. When I started teaching this person Qur'an Sharif, now he's living there, they probably heard about his incident, so now they're accommodating him. Then the next person heard about it, a whole lot of people came to learn Qur'an Sharif from him. Then he said, now you must teach our children also. So in any case, time carried on, and in this way they started taking care of him. Then one thing they insisted on him that look, there is one orphan girl living on this island. And we want to get her married to you. So he said, look, I want to, I'm waiting for some, no, way of getting away from this island. But someday some ship is passing, if I can get a boat to go and catch that ship, I want to go back. I don't want to stay here forever. I have family somewhere. They insisted on him, he eventually agreed. So this nikah took place. 
And when this nikah took place, now his wife was sent to him. So now when his wife was sent to him, so they brought her family people, whoever brought her along. So suddenly his eyes fell on the necklace she's wearing. And now he's just standing there, completely stunned, and he's only looking at that necklace. So the people around, her family people, brothers, whoever were there, so first they're just observing what he's doing now. And after a while somebody spoke up and said, Look, you're breaking the heart of this girl, she's your wife now. But instead of looking at her, you're looking at the necklace she's wearing. In other words, you're only interested in the wealth she brought. So he then replied and said, Look, I'm not looking at this because I'm greedy for the wealth or anything. I'm looking at this and I'm 100% sure that this is the necklace behind which there's a very big story. He said, what story is behind this necklace? So he mentioned this whole incident that happened in Makkah Mukarama. This was, I'm 100% sure because this is a very unique necklace. I can't be mistaken. This is exactly the necklace that I found of those pearls that were lying on the, in the bag. And then I returned it to the person and he insisted on giving me that money. But I refused to take that money also. And eventually he went away. And when he gave this whole story, all these people that were there, they started in so loudly they shouted takbir. Others also all came running to see what happened. He's looking at them in amazement. What happened to you people? I was always first asking me what's wrong with me. I want to know what happened to you. So they are saying that what story you gave, we have the other half of the story. Now where is Makkah Mukarrama? Where is this island? And where is one shipwreck that had to bring this person floating on one piece of wood to this island? Okay, what is the other part of the story? So the other part of the story is that, this, that the person who had lost that string of pearls and then you found it and returned it to him, that person was the father of this girl. And after he returned from Makkah Mukarramah back to the island, this is where he lived. He used to keep mentioning the story. And every now and again he would mention that I only met one Muslim. He said, I met one Muslim. Meaning one real Muslim. One Muslim who truly had honesty in him. Because this was a very big temptation. And then whose taqwa was of that level that afterwards when I am giving him that money but that masla was in front of him. This was amana. I didn't pick it up for the reward. So I had to return it. I had to discharge the amana. I met one Muslim in my life. And then he used to make dua. He says, Ya Allah, make me meet that person. If I meet him again, I'll get my daughter married to him. See, but he passed away. He passed away, but Allah Ta'ala brought you here. And today the nikah has taken place. And then it happened after some time. He had two sons. Then some time passed. This wife of his passed away. So that necklace and all whatever she owned, this became the inheritance of this husband and two sons. Some time later, those sons passed away, one after the other. So all that wealth became his inheritance now. So whoever he used to mention that incident, he had become a very wealthy person. He used to say to them that, look, this is all the leftover of that wealth, of that necklace which I sold after that. Allah made this happen very, very glaringly very 
openly for anybody to be able to see. That this person didn't give in to that temptation on that occasion. It was a very big temptation. But how Allah Ta'ala brought about that day when the same thing came back to him in a halal manner. And not just in a halal manner, with great honor and respect. But this too is still a very small, this is the crumbs. The place of that reward is actually the akhirah. This is all part of the crumbs. But it's not always going to happen in such a dramatic manner. Allah Ta'ala gives it to a person in different ways, saves him from so many calamities. And the biggest thing is Allah Ta'ala saves him from calamities that could destroy his deen. But when? When a person just made a little bit sabr. He didn't give in to the temptation. Then this is the end result. But the end result won't always be in the same manner, very dramatic in dunya, but it will happen. So this little bit of sabr, a little bit of patience in dunya, this is the place of tests. At the time of test, exams, everybody makes sabr. Makes sabr beforehand to burning the midnight oil, staying awake till late, trying to work hard. Then they will sit in that exam, work so hard for you. But then the person gets rewarded. Now the person who didn't make any effort, just carried on loafing around, passing his time, didn't learn. Then the result comes, he, he failed. So this is the dunya, a little bit of sabr, a little bit of just perseverance. And inshallah, after this little bit of perseverance, Allah Ta'ala opens it out for the person in dunya also. The real place is akhirat. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhirat